and welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendega. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He is here. We are ready to go. We got an action-packed episode for you guys today. We are going to be talking some Michigan hoops. They are on fire right now, playing like a top team in the country, and for good reason. We're also going to be talking about the Jim Harbaugh University of Michigan contract extension, what it means, what it really means, and all that, and the implications for Michigan football going forward. We're obviously going to be reviewing Wrestle Kingdom, the New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest show of the year, their WrestleMania-type show. It was a barn burner from top to bottom, so me and Mike are going to review that, go through the results, and give our thoughts on that show. And we're also going to be talking, and we promised this last week, we are going to be talking the NFL coaches to NFL teams. So we're going to be matching up what NFL coach or what what rumor names are out there to be the top candidates this year to each individual team, including, of course, your Detroit Lions. Um, Lots of rumors, lots of notes to go over for that. We're not going to be talking any of the NFL playoff games until the conference championships. Reason is because when we film this show, we want to give you guys the most up-to-date possible look at the way the NFL is going. So right now, when we recorded this, the three other wildcard games that were going to be played haven't been played yet. So we can't talk about the divisional round or review the wild, all the wildcard games because we don't know the results of them yet. We could talk Seattle and Rams. We could talk some of that stuff. But because we don't have all the we don't have the full picture of the, of the playoff landscape, we don't really want to give you guys you know misinformation and make you guys listen to stuff that um, you already know what happened. So <laughs> there's no point making predictions on games that are going to uh, happen after the show goes live so with that being said mike let's jump right in here let's talk michigan hoops Jawan howard this is the second year now in a row they have come out on fire under Jawan howard right but this year they didn't have the tournaments to kind of you know play some of these other teams like north carolina and stuff to kind of get these big flashier wins but man in the big 10 they're on fire they're undefeated right now they go to uh, were they home against minnesota or were they at minnesota they were at Minnesota. At Minnesota? I think they're home against Minnesota next. Okay, time, right. So um, they played Minnesota, who I think at the time was 16th ranked, right? And they go in and they beat them by like 25. I mean, it was a it was a it was a beatdown of epic proportions, right? I mean, it was it got closer at the end, which is frustrating. I think I saw a tweet out there was like Michigan is one of the best basketball teams for like. 95% of the game, and then like the last four minutes of the game, they're just god awful. So it's yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where they kind of like let off the gas, but. Um, but Michigan has come out, and I think has kind of blown away some expectations, and has actually set new expectations going forward for the rest of the season. Um, and we're going to talk Michigan State here too as well. But Mike, give me your thoughts on on this team. I know Kyle, the Will man, he's not here today, but he was really high on this team going into it. I mean, he's high on every Michigan team. I was just <laughs> saying, he's, he's every year, so he's like, he's like me with Lions. You always got to have some sort of optimism yeah. in some way. But um, but to his credit, though. He was like, they may have more depth than we think they do, right? Mm-hmm. Livers coming back obviously was a huge coup for them, but he's not even really the one making the world go round mm-hmm. right now for them. So give me your thoughts on on what you're seeing out of this team so far. Are you shocked? Are you Were you in lockstep with Kyle? I know you weren't, so I don't know why I asked. But <laughs> nope. um, give me your thoughts on Michigan basketball for the first month and a half of the season. Yeah, uh, it's been really uh, pretty good. I mm-hmm. think um, he was always touting the big man Hunter Dickinson. He yep. was like, oh, this four-star guy is going to be really, really good coming in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
Yeah, but you always say that about everybody from Michigan. You go, oh, Joe Milton's going to be the greatest quarterback since sliced bread or yeah. whatever. And they never pan out. So I was like, I guess I have to wait and see. Right. And then Austin Davis, their original starter, goes out. And yep. he comes in and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm just going to average like 21 points per game every single game. No and kidding. I go, oh, okay. So he is really, really good. And to yep. counter with that, they got two nice transfers with uh, Mike Smith and then um, – was it Shadis Brown or I think so, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, they're, they're, close, their guard know. off the bench uh-huh. comes in. Mm-hmm. And those two guys have been putting in some great work with uh the starting units. Mm-hmm. And they go seven strong better than I think just about any team mm-hmm. in college basketball. Mm-hmm. So I think I I have been blown away. I was going into some of these games going, they have to drop one of these, right? Like yeah. Minnesota, I was like, it's gonna be a tough game. Mm-hmm. At least be closer than what they are. Yeah, right. And Northwestern, quite frankly, like yeah. Northwestern is, you know, at the time was was, but I mean, I'm 19. looking at the yeah, I'm looking at their schedule right now, right? I mean, Bowling Green, fine. They they played a tough game against o- Oakland University, which I think was a which is a bit of an yeah. albatross looking at the rest of their schedule. But I mean, they beat Ball State, UCF, Toledo, um, Stanford got postponed or NC State or whatever got postponed. But then they go in and they beat a, uh, an okay Nittany Lions team by the skin of their teeth. But then after that, they've been rolling. They go to at Nebraska, get a big win there at at uh, Maryland, beat the crap out of them they go to or they're home against they were home against minnesota by the way home against both uh northwestern and minnesota and those are double digit wins i mean they beat minnesota almost by 30 um their next game as of right now due to postponement is yeah wisconsin on tuesday but um no they're they're playing at a high level right i mean you look at you know they're they're one of the last remaining undefeated teams they're number 10 as of right now in the rankings they're 10 and 0 5 and 0 in their conference um I mean, the next closest team in, to them is Illinois, five and one in the Big Ten, nine and three. Ten and two was Iowa, and ten and two was Wisconsin. So, big game against Wisconsin, yeah. and they're going to really start getting the the nuts and bolts of their schedule going forward. Yeah. You know, they're going to start playing some of these other teams. But, I mean, I've been impressed by the complementary basketball that they're playing. We we mentioned, you know, like the Minnesota game. I think is a perfect microcosm of what what they've you know been doing. Is okay, the big man. All right, the big man had twenty six points. You know, it's a career high for him. That's cool. But everybody else on the team. Okay, we got we got twelve from livers all right we got nine from this guy we got 11 from over here you know we've got wagner here with with like two or three clutch threes to kind of really spark it right but he's shooting he's only shooting five threes so you're on three for five from the field and you're like all right that's a pretty good percentage and taking some smart shots so really like what they're doing offensively defensively too i mean man they swarm and i think that's been a i think that's a staple and a carryover even when john beeline was here is that michigan has always played really good defense because Mm -hmm. Up until now, they have not had a ton of four-star, five-star guys that are committing to Michigan, which is a credit to Juwan Howard, obviously. But, you know, so they really had to do the things fundamentally to get them to where they wanted to go. So this team is starting off really strong. The last time, you know, I think Michigan started off 10-0, 5-0 in conference like this. I think four times, two out of the four times they made to the Final Four. So that are those the expectations for you? I mean, I, I want to see them play Wisconsin. That's going to be a big one. I want to see them play Iowa for sure, right? I don't know when do they play Iowa. They only it's, play Iowa in March. In March, yeah. Oh yeah, play, very, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Iowa the and then at the at Michigan State. Those are going to be two yeah. really good games. But they play like the Rutgers year. still. And Rutgers yep. is ranked like fifteenth right now. Ohio mm-hmm. State is unranked, but is like ninety three or something. Right. Yeah. Um, they yeah, play Michi- Michigan State, Minnesota again. I think. Yeah, Michigan up. State. They have in the be- very beginning of February. So yeah. they've got, they got Northwestern, Michigan State, and Illinois, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State, and they're all in a row there. February is going to be uh, make or break time for them yeah. for sure. But what what are your expectations now? Right last year we talked and they they come out they win that big tournament right they're like, like number two at one point in the country. 
country, and then it kind of slowly but surely started to fizzle off where mm-hmm. it became to a point where it was like, they're going to make the tournament, but by like the skin of their teeth, probably. Yeah. So, but now we're at it, and it's a different team for sure, right? It's absolutely a different team. Yeah. And um, they're playing really good complimentary ball. Where are you at with them? Are they a top five team for you? Are they a top 10? I mean, they're top 10 right now, yeah, ranked, yeah. but. Where, where do you think they're at compared to the Villanovas of the world, I guess? Yeah. Um, I would say they're about... I think their ranking right now is, like, perfect. I think they're probably about the 10th best team in the country. Right. Somewhere, like, between 10 and 15. Well, just going over real quick, I'm looking at the AP Top 25, right? You got Gonzaga at number one, yeah. Baylor number two, Villanova's number three, Texas four, Iowa five, Kansas six, Creighton seven. is seven, yeah. Wisconsin is eight, Nine is Tennessee, and then Michigan is ten. So first off, you already have three Big Ten teams in the top ten, and then Illinois not that far behind at 12. number twelve. So with that being said, so obviously the Big Ten is stacked right now. But so I, do you think that that ten is kind of where they should be at compared to the rest of those teams? Yeah, I think anywhere from like eight to thirteen or fourteen is mm-hmm. where I would put them. You mm-hmm. can be like, oh, they're better than Tennessee or they're better than Creighton or something. Yeah. But I can't be like, but they're worse than. Illinois or Missouri or whatever is at right. 13 or 14. Right. So I'm like, I think they're in that range somewhere. And my expectations for the team, I'd probably say they have to make a good tournament run. Mm-hmm. But I think that they could get matched up with like a Baylor or something. Right. And like and the like cut Sweet 16 short. or yeah. Elite 8. And you get cut short because you're just playing a team that's so much better than you right now. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this team is very good. And I think that they should be able to pull out a streak of wins here, at least split most of the Big Ten games that you're playing. Like, at least split Michigan State. At least split uh, Rutgers or whatever. Wisconsin Wisconsin and stuff. Because, like, we talked about for football, you're like, wow, you played really good week one against Minnesota. But then after that, I was like, but let me see you play Wisconsin. Let me see you play these teams before I'm like, I can say that you're a good team. Right. I still need you right. to play Wisconsin. I still need you to play Michigan yeah. State. And we're going to see that, right? We're going to see them play. And I think this Wisconsin game is going to be a really big litmus test for them, right? Wisconsin's always so consistent every yeah. year to year, right? They're, they're such a well-coached and well-developed program at this point. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you're right on the money, though, right? I, they have a couple big wins, you know, the last two especially being super big, right? Um, outside of that, their schedule really isn't all that impressive from a from a competition standpoint. But regardless, they are ten and zero, and they are five and zero in the Big Ten at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right on the money. I think a Sweet Sixteen run, um, if they somehow get to the Elite Eight, I think anything after that is kind of it's, it's up yeah. in the air because you're a good team at that point. So you're really looking at it, and you, you, you know, I think if nothing else, though, you should be encouraged if you are a Michigan fan because. You're not seeing the drop off that I think a lot of people were expecting from Jawan to John, B- from John Beeline to Jawan, right? And the recruiting has stepped up immensely. I mean, Michigan right now I think has a top three, top two recruiting class for 2021 or 2022. They, they got the two, uh, yeah. Five star forwards, right? Come in, and they're the two right. highest recruits in Michigan basketball history. Right, in, so. exactly. So, like, it, it, recruiting wise, you're, I mean, they had Isaiah Todd locked up, but mm-hmm. Isaiah Todd's playing pro ball right now. So, like, he would have been coming in next year. Like th- that recruiting class could have potentially been, mm-hmm. oh, like holy crap! Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Fab Five kind of, you know, hype coming in. So the fact that he is able to attract this kind of talent, even if they are one and dones. 
you're like, man, that's a lot. Of <laughs> these are a lot of great players coming to the University of Michigan, and you're finally starting to rival some of these teams, like the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Baylors and the Villanovas that are really getting this top talent, and you're right up there with them. And mm-hmm. they, that, you know, at that point, that's when you're going to see Juwan Howard's coaching chops. Is right yeah. there is when you have the same level of talent. The same, you're in the same fish or the same waters with the big fish, and what do you what do you do right? So it's going to be interesting. Let's talk about Michigan State here real fast too. I did want to mention that because they started out the year started out okay. Um, I think they were number three. I think at one point mm-hmm. opening the season, and it hasn't really played out. I think the way they were expecting early on in the year. Um, looking at their looking at their rate, where are they? They're twenty three. Where they're eight and four, two and four in the Big Ten, which is a bit of a shocker. Mm-hmm. Um, they're eight and four. They're twenty third ranked right now. I think they're they have the same amount of points as St. Louis, the University of St. Louis, apparently, who is seven and one. But regardless. Um, <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about the Spartans. You know, this team, it it almost feels like lather, rinse, repeat, where it's like they come in with a lot of fanfare. They play tough games at the early of the year. Sometimes they win them. Sometimes it's embarrassing. But at the end of the, by the end of it all, though, they're right back into the point where okay, they're they're a four seed and they're going to make a run and they're going to be in the Sweet Sixteen regardless. Yeah, no, State's in that exactly in that spot. They um. They start out games really strong. They just have struggle finishing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday they played, or I guess two days ago when yeah. New Year's, they played Purdue Saturday night, yeah. and uh, they had a 31-15 lead going into halftime, and then lost the game 56-55 off a go-ahead buzzer beater by Purdue. Yeah. So it's just needing to figure out how to finish games. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the Big Ten, unlike football for me, yeah. the Big Ten regular season schedule doesn't mean a whole lot yeah. because they play a tournament and if you win the tournament you're guaranteed to get into the final the big 64 team dance right. so you just have to be good enough to get into that portion yeah. and then that's when you have to get rolling sure. so I think that with their tough schedule they've already had they're going to probably play the Maryland's and the Nebraska's that they're mm-hmm. going to be able to figure some stuff out so yeah. once they get into the tournament yeah. they're going to be a lower seed going into the tournament so they're going right. to have much more competition probably Michigan will mm-hmm. but I do think that they have the talent to boost them up yeah. And it'll be a very competitive team going forward. Oh, for sure. But not right now. They they always struggle early. For yeah, some reason. yeah. It's, it's a weird isoism. It's almost like he got like he's got to break them and then get them back to the way. He it's wants it's to what Beeline used to do. Where Beeline mm-hmm. was really bad early and would get really hot when the Big Ten tournament would show up, and yeah, then and all back sudden, to back Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and then all of yeah. a sudden he they'd be the last seed, go all the way, win it, and then make like a uh-huh. elite eight run right. out of nowhere. So. Yeah, that's what time is. Yeah, there. I don't think there's many other coaches in programs that are big time moment, prime time players like Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Yeah. Like you, you just don't, you don't, you're not going to find much better than him in that program. So I'm not necessarily worried about Michigan State either. I'm excited to see those matchups because I think those will be really fun to watch between them and Michigan uh, coming up here next month. Um, so obviously we'll cover that, and we'll, you know, obviously by the time those matchups come along, we're really going to see what these teams are made of yeah. for sure. So. Um, it's fun to talk. It's it's nice though, honestly. Like just from a uh, a Michigan fan perspective, like Michigan is like from a state of Michigan. It's like it's nice to know they got two good basketball teams. Mm-hmm. They both have a have a chance of, of doing something special, which is yes. which is nice because in football we don't have that. <laughs> or in pro sports right now. Or in pro know. sports, in baseball, football, basketball, any of those stuff. It's good stuff. The wing scrimmages are looking fun. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> they, they start play on Wednesday. Yes, they do. They do. The and we'll, we're going to talk about them uh, once we know final rosters. I know the Wings just made a move to get a defenseman from the Ducks um, yesterday or two days ago or like that, but um, I'm waiting a little bit. So if you're a Red Wings fan you're wondering why we're not talking hockey, there's a couple reasons. Number one, I have no idea what the hell this team is going to look like. Number two, it's so hard to project 
what this team is going to look like because I don't know who, what rookies and what young guys are on the team, what not. And number three, they're going to be bad. Let's be <laughs> let's be real here. They're not going to be good, but hopefully improved. So as the season kind of starts to kick off and we watch a few games, see what the roster looks like, then we'll be talking wings for sure. Same thing goes with Tiger fans as well. Once the Tigers actually make the final roster, we'll know exactly what the Tigers are going to look like. Um, all right, let's talk Jim Harbaugh. Michigan contract extension. He gets a four- or five-year deal. Takes a pay cut, actually, which rightfully so. I mean, a pay cut, he's making $4 million a year, so darn it. But... <laughs> um, a little bit more incentive laden, betting on himself a little bit. I know there was some there was some rumors that you know NFL teams were kind of just poking around, putting some feelers out there, seeing if he was interested. I think he was kind of doing the same. It clearly has not worked right now. Um, are you upset about the extension? Number one, like, do you wish they just would have said, you know what, screw it, cut it, let's just go and try to hire Luke Fickle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm not really upset by it. I think. Uh... I don't necessarily. I, I would like to. I need another run with different coordinators. Yeah. And now that Don Brown's out, and we don't know what the offensive coordinator is going to do, and then yeah. he fired like half his crew or whatever, maybe it will get better. So I'm I'm willing to give it another year or two. Yeah. He's still very good at recruiting. He just recruited a five star quarterback, and he was like mm-hmm. number two. Yeah, uh, Mike, is, Mike is super high. I am very high on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm taking. It's Mike's Joe Milton. <laughs> yeah, it's my Joe Milton this year, guys. Yeah. So, uh, JJ McCarthy yeah. is my Joe Milton from from Kyle. Well, we're gonna mark this down now. I think we're on episode like 111. So yeah, this mark, is the episode. Mark it down. We're gonna so come back when and he when... when he throws five interceptions in the first game of the regular season. <laughs> I would go. Just know, come on, Mike. Just know I messed up. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think he's done a pretty good job recruiting. And I think that, you know, fix the defense a little bit. Maybe you can make a run. I just think it's going to be really tough because Ohio State's on, like, a historically great run right now. So you're kind of just always battling that giant. You're you're going uphill for sure. They just need to – the biggest thing with Harbaugh is he needs to rediscover who he is and what what Michigan is about, right? Like – the first couple years, they had some successes because, I mean, I granted, right, they went back to a power O kind of yeah. offense, right? And I don't think that works now. I don't, for sure, right? However, at least you had an identity of what yeah. you were as a football team, right? You you wanted to dictate the line of scrimmage both defensively and offensively, and you were going to ground and pound people, and you were going to smother teams defensively. And, and it worked, right? I mean, I, I get it. You didn't get the big win against Ohio State. But they were in contention. You went into the Ohio State game two years in undefeated knowing, okay, we win this, we're going to the Final Four. It was that close. You're a, you're a questionable, I'll say questionable spot away from beating them, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's legitimately that close. So because of that, you know, and they try to change it up and they're trying to, but I mean, honestly, trying to match Ohio State with what Ohio State's trying to do isn't go, isn't the solution either because you're not going to do it better than the team that's already doing it right you're not and I understand why they brought in Josh Gaddis to run what Alabama training, but Alabama is at a whole nother level competitively and player you know wise and player development quite frankly than Michigan is at they need to rediscover an identity and I'm hoping that Harbaugh isn't just going to bring in people on the new hotness wave and is really going to establish what he wants Michigan football to be about because right now they don't know who they are and until you know who you are you're doomed so that that's really the thing uh, here low-key though I'm gonna put it out there you're making a call on JJ McCarthy I'm personally think this is kind of like the dream for me, right? Is okay, Irv, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. But Urban Meyer goes to the Jags, right? Goes there for three years, has a terrible time, you know, because NFL coaches don't work in the NFL, right? Urban Meyer goes, he flames out over there, he gets fired, and then Michigan just hires him three years later. 
Lovely. You'll <laughs> be sixty-five. You'll be seventy, going up and on the sidelines with a stick, but we'll yeah. still be winning national championships. But um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like meh on it. Honestly, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. But it, at the same time, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know if they had any conversations about anything, but at the same time, if you're Michigan brass, you're like, man, this was our big fish, and it ain't working. So it's like, you, you kind of almost feel like the hero is like, ah, screw it, we might as well stick with it and see what yeah, can happen. And if he leaves, he leaves. I think they were kind of hoping he would leave, yeah, like and just go to the NFL and be like, oh, see, we had to make a change, you know. So I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I think he's got. I know a lot of Michigan fans are already kind of fed up with it. I get it. I totally understand. It's not out of the realm for me to understand why that they want him fired. Um, but I don't. I also don't think that throwing the new hotness name out there, as we've seen with Detroit Lions fans, um, just getting the new hotness doesn't necessarily lead to success. So you gotta really gotta really hedge your bets there a little bit. Um, thanks a lot, Matt Patricia. You you're sack, the man. You sack of crap. Um, really excited for you to be coaching linebackers for New England next year. <laughs> My rocket scientist. Yeah, exactly. Man. All right, uh, let's talk Wrestle Kingdom here. Let's let's go to the All squared right, circle. And then I also want to talk about a little bit of a conspiracy theory here as far as, as WWE goes. We talked a little bit about it um, okay. last um, before the show, but I, I want let's talk Wrestle Kingdom first. Two nights, two night event. Okay. Um, you know, their biggest show of the year. If if you don't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, I get it. It's it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to watch um, from a from an availability standpoint, you know. However, you can get New Japan World. It's exactly like WWE Network. Uh, they have it, you can switch it to English too, so it's not like you're just reading Japanese the entire time. <laughs> um, and they have English commentary for a lot of their more recent stuff. If you keep if you go back to like the nineties, well, you're out of luck. But if if you know, from basically from like 2010 on, you're probably going to have English commentary, especially on the big shows. So if you are interested at all in learning about some of the people that we're going to be talking about, do go to New Japan World. They're not a sponsor for us. They don't pay us. I wish they did. Um, But it's a great service. Uh, It's available like on Roku, I think, Amazon Fire Stick, a couple other different things, right? Sure. Um, Like I said, not a sponsor, so I'm not obligated to know where they're at. But (laughs) You you can watch them on Chrome, for goodness sake. So go to the site, pay the nine bucks. And, and really, you know, and really take in some wrestling that you know from an American side you're not you don't see very often. If you want to look at the closest thing, what AEW is doing, it's New Japan yeah. more than anything. Um, all right, so let's go. Let's go night one. Let's go okay. results, and then give me a grade for night one. Okay, so uh, they open with a pre-show dark New Japan Rambo match, which is basically a gigantic like Royal Rumble battle royal thing. Yep, and just getting everybody on the card. Yeah. That's all it is, basically. <laughs> and they ended with... I'm trying to remember, because it doesn't have the results on here for this one match. So Bushi, Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and Toriano with a four remaining. And Toriano yeah. didn't even wrestle that day, because yeah. he was the last person to come out. Yeah. And the final four in the match, mm-hmm. per rules, would go on to the next night to fight. And he kind of walked out, and there were only three people left, and he went... All right, I'll see yeah. you guys tomorrow. So that was cool. Um, so it was cool. Yeah. I didn't really watch it, but I kind of just saw that part and laughed. Yeah. No, it was okay. It's just a rumble. It just had a whole bunch of people in there. They had everybody who wasn't in an actual match. feud. Yes. Right. All right, so the first actual match. Think Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Basically. If you're a WWE guy. Uh, so basically, so the first match, we had Hiromu Takahashi defeating Al Phantasmo in 17 minutes. Super bummed. Super, Super bummed. bummed. <laughs> I was so bummed. I was like, gosh dang it. I was I was really invested. I thought it was a great match. I, I am 
slowly but surely becoming the leader of the All Phantasma fan club a little bit. I really enjoy his shtick. I think he's hilarious, you know, because you can tell he's just like, I'm just really athletic and yeah. I'm just way better than all of you and I know it. And I really dig it, quite frankly. Um, I think he's a star. I think he's a future junior heavyweight champion by far. I think him and Ishimori are going to probably win the junior tag soon again. Yeah. Um, super big in the UK scene. Uh, I'm basically waiting until I move and then I'm going to order a whole bunch of his merch. So. Oh. <laughs> Um, so we had next up we had the IWGP Tag Team Championship match. Girls of Destiny, Tamatanga and Tangaloa defeated the Dangerous Techers, Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. in 19 minutes to win the titles. For the seventh time, so that's Seven. a record. Yep. The first time they win it at Wrestle Kingdom, they win the World Tag League for the first time as well. So they kind of check both of those things off their bucket list at the same time. Um, thought this was okay. I didn't think anything special about it. I love Zack Sabre Jr., but in tag, you don't. I don't think get to appreciate it yeah. as much. Um, I love the Suzuki Goon stable a lot. I, I love the consistency. They, I mean, they don't have new members. They don't have old members. They just have the their core people, and yeah. it's awesome. Um, I thought it was okay. Didn't think it was anything that special. They're so desperate for tag help right yeah. now in so many levels that putting it on G.O.D. just kind of felt like, all right, let's yeah, just get it back to the consistency. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. Uh, so next we had the... Uh, United States heavyweight title number one contender briefcase. Right before this match, John actually cut a promo yep. from uh, probably the U.S. somewhere and yeah. was like, "Hey, probably the U.S. dojo. I think it's in L.A. Or yeah." Something like that. And he said, "Yo, I'm gonna fight whoever wins this match yep. at some point, sometime. That's yep. not been announced yet." But mm-hmm. and then Kenta defeated uh, Kojima in 14 minutes. So we are sitting up for John Moxley versus Kenta at some point, probably on their U.S. space show that they're right. gonna be starting soon. Um, yeah, well, and two, right, so Kojima filling in for Juice Robinson yes. um, due to injury. Yeah, Kojima, if you don't know, um, he's a veteran, former heavyweight champion, former All Japan Triple Crown champion, actually the first guy to hold both at the same time. Yeah, does a lot. Uh, he's got a lot of accolades. He's been like an eight-time world tag team champion, too, with two different partners, part of, um, uh, oh, what's their tag name? Uh, Tenkoji with Hiroshi Tenzin. Uh, but anyway... Uh, point is, is that uh, this match kind of felt like it was just kind of there for me. You yeah. knew Kenta was going to win just based off the fact that he had a fill-in for injury, and he's been he's held this briefcase forever. And I expect Kenta to also take the U.S. title from Moxley yes. just to get Moxley out of any further commitments. The, the U.S. title for me has really been a letdown. They started out so hot with that tournament, had a really great tournament. Kenny wins it, the Jericho feud, even Jay White winning it okay young guy then it went to parker and then coat like it just hasn't felt important and now and we're going to talk a little bit at the end of this i want to ask you a question but maybe there's a a coming where it's going to start to feel a little bit more important but right now it just like i think it for me in tears it's heavyweight i see almost like the never open weight than the u.s title from Mm -hmm. as far as value in my opinion so i agree it's a little bit disappointing uh, next, we had Hiroshi, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating the Great Okan in 17 minutes. <laughs> That's fantastic to say. Yeah, it went a little long yes. for me. Okan, I get it. They, they, it's almost like they're trying to make him feel like a veteran who's like coming back, but he's not. Um, yeah, but this there was a couple matches where I just went, it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's a match. Yeah, I kind of, like, I, I did this match on 1.5 speed. I did too. So it was really, it was well, really fun in 1.5 I didn't speed. anticipate, I didn't, there was His no chance His high flow was really fast. Oh, yeah. Like, he fell really yeah. quickly in 1.5 <laughs> speed. He did it twice, and I was like, all right, like, he's dead, so yeah. that's fine. But, yeah, no, I, you know, this match was literally to get Tanahashi on the card, yep. and that's where you're going. And then a good match. Yep. 
Um, next match, my favorite match, probably of both nights, but of I'm, both I'm, nights, really. I am, I'm biased, okay. very biased toward this match. Very much. Uh, we had Kazushika Okada defeating Will Osprey in 35 minutes. Hashtag bummed. Hashtag very <laughs> bummed. Very sad. Uh, giving five and a quarter stars. Yeah. Uh, so another five star to Will Ospreay's like 95 five star matches. And Okada's too. And Okada's too. Um, Kata's I thought like, this thirty-seven star match. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he's got seven stars, so he got some work to do. Um, yeah, I thought this match was great. Yeah. I think the beginning was a little slow. Yes, and Will Osprey has changed his style so much now to where he he doesn't he doesn't even do like his high fly stuff really anymore. Mm-hmm. He's way more grounded upon, but can like pull it out at the yes. very end when he needs yeah. it. Yeah, the aisles kind of coming in at right just the right point. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wish he would still throw a little bit more in there I would um, too. because. Right now, I feel like his moveset is just a little bit generic. Okay, mm-hmm. he's got the power slam. Like I, I'm, I'm so happy he's a heavyweight now. I am. I'm super thrilled yes. with that. But I feel like he would just stand up because nobody else is doing it, right? Like, if he could still kind of be in that mix where he's still kind of bouncing off the ropes every once in a while and, and, and then adding the power into it, I mm-hmm. feel like would really kind of really set him apart because he yeah. doesn't have the best promo in the world, right? Yeah. He's, you know, they're trying to give him some umph with this empire shtick, right? Like, I'm, I'm totally for it, right? But... Do wish you would add a little bit, but this match was fantastic. Yeah, it really was. So it was wild. really good. You going in thinking, okay, they 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 really could go. I thought they kind of didn't do him enough. I thought this match should have went the other way. Um, I get why they don't because in New Japan, I think they're the only company that successfully can take a loss and build off of a loss. Mm. Where every other company, it feels like, okay, you lose, you go back down to the bottom of the totem pole. Or in WWE, you can lose for six months, come in, win the world title, whatever, whatever works. But. Um, but I think in this particular scenario, right, you saw that with New Year's Dash the next night or two nights after, right? They come in, they attack a whole bunch of people, they're standing on top again, really getting their heat back. Yeah. So, uh, great match, great showing. Thought it should have went the other way, but I get why yeah. they didn't. I, I always say at this point now, I, I can never, like, watch a match go, I disagree with that, but go, but you know long term, right. this is going to be If they like pay a, it off, they, they do a really good job of paying off yeah. the faith of, okay... Stay with us, because yes. we've got something bigger planned. They they do like a great job watching a hit TV show, and something happens in the first episode, and you go, Gosh, and you go that it. was so stupid. Right. But then in the tenth episode, you're like, oh, that played off so well right. on itself, exactly. And like, so you just have to like stick. with it. And if it. you're a big Abushi fan, you're that's a prime example. Of yeah, that. last year you go from being on the highest of highs to oh my gosh, he didn't even win a match to now this year, which yeah, we'll talk about. Exactly. So, so yeah, that was my favorite match. I know your favorite match came in the second night, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Soon. Um, and then the main event for night one, we had uh, Kota Ibushi beating Naito for both the heavyweight and IC title in 31 minutes. And so he goes on to first Jay White, White in night, night two. two. Yeah. Well, this was really good. That was really well done. Um, you know, the story still playing out. Okay. Can he get it done? A couple destinos later and mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, he's still going. Um, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, he gets the win, which we all, I, you know, I thought, did you have Naito winning? This match? I did have Naito you, you, win. Okay. Yes. Um, I thought they do. Because they, they do Abushi Jay White so many times. Mm-hmm. I was like, they don't do Naito and, uh, and uh, Jay White enough. Yeah. So I was like, I thought that would be a face-first deal thing. For but. sure. For sure. No, I thought that, you know, Abushi winning, cool, cool moment, right? I was like, all right, I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was time to kind of pull that trigger. Um, loved the fact that Jay then came out after that immediately and did a really nice promo where he was like enjoy it because you got 24 hours kind of thing yeah. thought that was fantastic um great match really great match it's tough when you bookend those two matches together because yes. you're like that's the only problem with new japan is that you have is where you're like you, you almost got to catch your breath and pause 
Because if you watched it live, I don't know how you recuperated. Like, I had to take a minute and be like, yeah, that was a really good match. Okay, now I'm ready for the next one. Mm -hmm. So, two really, really good back-to-back matches to end the show. Um, Give me a grade for night one. Um, I'd give it like a... uh, Like a... B minus C plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm like in I'm in the B minus C plus range. It's kind of I think the final two matches stood out really well. Yep, but there was a lot of like beef in them. It's like one like a like the TLC pay per view. It's right. almost like the exact grade where yeah. I think you had the two standout matches, and then everything and was everything goes kind of just like a beef in the middle. Yep, and it's just weird because New Japan back or backloads their show. Yeah, they, so like, they literally go by a set of importance. Yeah, so like team. WWE will mix up where they go, all right, we're going to open with the WWE Championship and yep. close with the Universal title. They Those very are... much value the the aspect of starting the show hot, ending and, the show hot. Yes. Or New Japan's like, we're going to throw the juniors out there first, get people, yeah. get, them, get the blood flowing a little bit, and then we're going to slow it back down, slow it back down, and then, by the way, we're going to make sure you have a small heart attack at the end. Yes. So And so that's just a whole different style. So I'd give it like a C plus B minus. It's kind of where I'm at. Because of... Uh, you know, that. I think the two... I would probably say Okada and Osprey was number one for me, followed by the world title match, and then El Fantasma Hiromu. Um, like I said, some of the book. I think this... Man, I think selfishly this gets dinged a little bit for me just because I didn't necessarily agree as a fan. I didn't agree yes. with some of the finishes. So I was like, I really would have liked to see ELP go, and I really would have liked to see Osprey get the win. I understand both reasons yeah. behind him, but I definitely was like that I think that takes it down maybe half a letter grade for Yeah, I, I look in and I go, Osprey and Okada, I think that was probably their best one on one, I would yes, say. For but sure. uh, but Naito and Ibushi is, have had way better one-on-ones and so since i didn't see the best of both Mm -hmm. that's why it's not like a b b plus yeah for sure scenario really solid a really solid show you're not going to see anything terrible there but um oh wow all right we'll talk about that in a minute good lord okay but but yeah so now heading into night two uh so the pre that's a cool cool phone background by the way thank you my spider-man one yeah i appreciate that that. i dig it um so (laughs) (laughs) we opened the we opened the show um Actually, the pre-show, so night one, we had the Battle Royal Royal thing. This show, thing. by the way, is like 10 seconds away from going completely off the rails. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw something. I saw it for a second. So, uh, this the part two, night two, we yep. started with two stardom matches. Last year, we only yep. had the one. Yep. This year, we had the two. But they weren't shown. Like no, They weren't actually is, on yeah. New Japan World. Yeah. Like, so, you couldn't watch them. Only the fans in attendance could watch it. Yeah. So, obviously, we can't talk about it. But yeah. they did have two dark matches right. on that show. Uh, so we opened the show with the uh, the Fatal 4-Way that I talked about from the first night for the Battle Royal. So we had yep. Taoriano defeating Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, and Chase Owens in seven minutes to win the King of Pro Wrestling title. It's which, a trophy thingy. I don't which get... is a trophy. It's not actually a title. I I... And he and apparently with this stipulation, every single match is just... It's it's like um Cyber Sunday. Yeah. When, they, right. when people used to yeah. vote in for stipulations for yeah. matches. It's basically, it's like, okay, I want to do a body slam match. And then you're like, well, I want to do a tables match. Right. And then people vote on which one they want to see the two do. Right. And then that's your match stipulation. I, I, the Toru Yami thing, I just don't get. Maybe it's because I haven't been a New Japan fan long enough, like back when he was like a legit yeah. badass. Because at one point he was, by the way. Um, but like... I just don't get it, really. I think it's more of a Japanese fan thing, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, it was just there. He's he's like the Santino Morella. Yeah, he's the R Truth of the or whatever R Truth right. or exactly. whatever. He's Absolutely. one of those type. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was fine. Whatever. Um, I, I, that was a two, like yes, <laughs> times two. And he, exactly. I was like, up down, up down, up down, up down, and he wins it. Okay, cool. Next. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely put this one at 1.75 to speed through. I was like, I'm like, I don't care. Next. All right, so our, the first match I watched on one speed was <laughs> the, normal. The, the junior heavyweight tag team match. Uh, so we had Suzuki Goon of El Desperado and Kanemaru defeating yep. Master Wado and Taguchi in 13 minutes. And I thought this was uh, pretty good. I always love the junior matches, like yeah. whether it's... ELP and Hiromu, or yep. it's a tag match or whatever. I always love juniors. So this match shows. was fine, knowing going in that there was almost no chance that the, the chances weren't gonna, the champs weren't gonna retain here. Um, I thought Master Wado looked a little bit overwhelmed at times. Definitely could tell that three, you had three veterans in the ring, and then a guy who is definitely not a veteran. You yep. could feel that immensely. There was some, there was some spots that almost was like okay he was just a second late on or, or just kind of waiting at times so that was a bit of an issue i didn't like the fact he came out with his dad either mm-hmm. didn't think that helped him at all yeah. um thought it was fine the junior tag division though is Rough. hurting both tag divisions are hurting for see something in this match remind me i forgot to mention the yeah. night one so when zag zaber was on the top rope yeah. and he goes come on let's do this move and then taichi goes no, let's not do it. And he goes, dude, it's the Tokyo Dome, let's do it. They did something very <laughs> yeah. similar in this match yeah. where he was about to jump off the top rope. He goes, no, I'm not going to do it. And he goes, it's the Tokyo Dome, you got to do it. <laughs> I just think WrestleMania, you need to see that more. Yeah. Where guys are like, it's WrestleMania. Do- it's WrestleMania, just do yeah. it. He goes, okay. And instead then he, like, of, instead of hearing Michael Cole go, it's WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. you got to have the wrestlers yeah. acknowledge that it's WrestleMania. And we'll talk more about the dialogue between wrestlers when we get to the main event yeah. as well, which I thought really helped. All right, uh, so our next match is Rob's favorite match of the night, the yep. never open weight title match between yes. Shingo defeating Jeff Cobb in 21 minutes. I think this was the coming out party for Jeff Cobb. I think now you go, oh, Jeff Cobb. If you didn't know before, you're like, yeah, Jeff Cobb's a legit, a, a legit man now. Yeah. And Shingo's been great. He had great matches with Will Ospreay last year and yep. this year already and stuff. So Shingo's been on fire, too. I think he's had last like a year and a half. Ever really since he came in and joined LIJ, he's been on fire, even with the best of the Super Juniors. Um, you know, And now he's like kind of in that never division right now because he's kind of a tweener right, yeah. right now. He's still the tweener. Um, I, I love this match. Really, from start to finish, um, knowing full well that it was kind of a pick em. you could either go either way. Honestly, yes. I think we actually, I think we split. I, I yeah, I picked yeah. Cobb because yeah, I, I thought, I thought the, they, they, uh, they would get the win, right? Yeah, they they get, get a title moments. with it, right? Yeah. You know, a, Osprey's got the Rev Pro title. I know even B Presley, she's got the Stardom Tag Championship. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but um, really enjoyed this match. So from start, to I love these never open weight matches um, when they don't feature a whole bunch of old dudes like Yuji Nagata and some of these other guys. But like when they have two younger guys going at it or guys in their prime, just it's the strong style of strong style of strong style that you could possibly ask for. I really enjoyed it. It was probably my favorite match just because it was a true pick'em. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you why I favored it just a smidge over the main event, even though I think people will look at the main event and say it was probably better. Yeah. I enjoyed the Nevermore just because of the actual, the physicality behind yeah. it. Really, really dug it. Yeah. Uh, so the next match we had the grudge match, Sonata versus Evil, went 23 minutes, and Sonata gets the victory. Uh, very happy about that because yeah. what Sonata does later and the next night. Right. Um, hoping that he gets a little... He probably won't win anything, no. but he'll get a nice little push yep. into the heavyweight title picture, singles picture, and that's what I want. I, th- I really think they missed the boat on Evil. I don't think he was necessarily the right guy no. for that for that spot. Um, I know they were hurting for a top heel to fight face Naito, right? I almost feel like it would. I, I understand why they chose him over Sonata because I think Sonata is going to be a, is going to be a huge baby face for them. Um, and I feel like if you would have flipped it and Evil was a good guy, it doesn't work if your name's Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, 
but you definitely saw a massive difference in skill between Sonata and Evil. As a tag team, I love them together because they both do well, things right, you know, mm-hmm. and together they're a really cohesive unit. But individually, Sonata, I feel personally, is heads and tails above Evil from an in-ring standpoint. He is he is what Osprey needs to try to be because Sonata will fly. Sonata does the does the Keiji Mudu backflip. He does things, and he's got, like, the little submissions. I love Sonata. I love what he's doing. He's really reinvented himself since coming back to New Japan a few years ago. Dug it. Thought Evil did not come out looking great out of this match. Yes. Um, so I think he's going to be relegated kind of to that never open weightish kind of area. And it's not. It's not a bad. That's spot not a bad spot. I think he's going to be a prominent member of the Bull Club. And maybe I'm wrong. If, He'll be if, in the tag division too. If, if we kind of talk about this rumor that we're talking about at the end of the show, he maybe has a more prominent role. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so our co-main event for night two, we had the junior heavyweight title match. So Hiromu, since he beat AELP, gets to fight Taji Ishimori and actually beat Taji Ishimori to win the junior heavyweight title. I actually think this match is rated so much higher than the than the night one one. I kind of liked ELP and Hiromu a little more. I did too. And maybe because I like El, uh, El Fantasma more than yep. I do Taji Ishimori. Yep. But I thought I thought but their seen, match was but better. But we, we've seen this match now several times yeah. with or without the championship as well. I just felt like an ELP Ishimori would have been a little more fresh because they're both on the same side. Yeah. It just would have felt like a more of a pick em. I felt like whoever won the first night was definitely going to take the title. Yeah. Um, and two, Hiromu's been there. He's been, he's been, he's the new Kushida of the junior, junior division. So, um, it was fine. I never really got out of my seat thinking, oh, Ishimori's got it. Like that was my, that was my only issue with that. I never felt that Ishimori was ever going to retain this match in this match. So that was my big, still a solid contest, but not anything. I I agree with you. I definitely thought I was more invested in, in night one. Yes. Um, and then our main event, uh, was the double heavyweight title match yep. between Jay White and Kota Ibushi. And Kota Ibushi comes out as the champion of both nights. Yep. And in 48 minutes, I think, I don't remember if Kenny went longer with Okada. I think this might be the longest match in Wrestle Kingdom history. I think though. for Wrestle Kingdom, I think it is. I think Wrestle sure Kingdom it, was... it is. I know they went longer, I think... In the two out of three falls. Oh no! Yeah, they went like, like sixty yeah, plus in the two right. Out of three no, no. Falls, I think this is but the for longest Wrestle match. Kingdom matches, I, I think. I think, I think, you're right. I think Omega Okada won. That happened at Wrestle Kingdom eleven. Yeah, but like forty five. Yeah, this was. I think this for, didn't think actually 48. take it takes the cake for longest match in New Japan history. Yeah. It's thought, for Wrestle Kingdom. And the, I thought this match was really well done. And we mentioned earlier the, the dialogue between Jay and Kota. Obviously, Kota doesn't speak English, but Jay, you know, from New Zealand, he does speak English and. You know, just the, the commentary you're hearing in the match because there's no the crowd noise was supposed to be like at a minimum. You're not supposed to cheer or boo or anything. You're yep. just supposed to clap and stuff to kind of help with the corona stuff, I guess. Uh, but you know, Jay with the, with the dialogue was really well done. He's throwing him into the barricade, saying "f you, f you," like all that kind of stuff. Really, kind of added a level of intensity here. Um, I am such a huge Jay White guy. He, he's really on my top five right now, and he's 28. He's already a former world champion, former IC yeah. champion, former U.S. champion. I mean, he's done it all already. He's the leader of the Bullet Club for now, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But really, really great match. Really wanted Jay to come out of it. I did too. But I, I, I understand it. This was Ibushi. If Naito had a moment last year, man, Ibushi had a freaking yeah. moment Ibushi this year. Good lord. Yeah, if, you, if you don't know anything about Jay White, you basically just look at it and go, 
whatever you think of Roman Reigns in WWE right now for the last yeah. like five months ish, mm-hmm. it's basically what Jay White is in New Japan for like two where, years. Yeah, for every match he talks crap. Yep. he's beating people up and talking to them in every match. And he's what, solid. And he's solid. Yep. And that's basically what Roman is. Roman is better in ring than Jay White is probably, but. Uh, yeah, Talking-wise and yeah. story-wise, yeah. it's about relatively the same, I would say. Yeah. Um, give me your thought. Give me a grade for Story Talk Rumors here. Yeah, so this one, I would probably give a straight B. Yeah. Because I liked more matches on the show. Like, if I had to rewatch a show, I'd watch Night, night 2 for over sure. Night 1. I would but too. my overall favorite match was from Night 1 yep. with Okada mm-hmm. and Osprey. We're, so. we're in lockstep there, quite frankly. Really enjoyed... the. This had my two favorite. I, I enjoyed... Um, I, I, or I, I don't know. I think Osprey Okada is really high up there for me as well. So it's those tough. are my three. Yeah, it's tough. I, you or know, Bushi the never Jay. the never match for me was really, really, really good. I, like I said, I I, I love Pickums so much. For a fan that's you know, if you're a wrestling fan and you're watching this show, you're a really big wrestling fan. So for good for really big wrestling fans like ourselves, it's very it's nice to go into a match and not have a feeling of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that so much and I, I feel like a kid again, you know, yeah. like if you're 7 years old watching a WWE pay-per-view, you honestly think that your favorite guy has a shot at winning where me and Michael are so jaded we go there's zero chance it's happening. So, but in these kinds of contests where you just go, man, there it's literally you can because of how much information you have and and history and everything you go, they could go both ways and you'd be okay with it. That's how I kind of felt with the main event. I'm, I'm with you. I could probably give it a B, maybe a B plus. I thought, you know, a lot of guys that I like on here. Um, you know, a lot of baby faces went over. By the yes. way, like I think outside the of the Kingdom thing outside is. of the junior tag match, I don't think there's any other team. Or I guess I guess God technically because they're back, but that, I mean they're more good guys than Suzuki Goon is. But outside of that, I think everybody else is a, was a good guy. Yeah, so. Basically. Well, super heavy baby face um, side, which that's why I kind of hoping Jay White was going to walk out at the end. I was like, all right, have a big heel coming out. Um, but solid show for sure. All right, let's talk about the the elephant in the room, you know. Okay, uh, Jay White coming out after the match has a phenomenal, phenomenal promo. Um, if you don't know, usually after big events. Um, you know, in Japan, they really treat New Japan like an actual sport. They do press conferences right after the match, talking about the match, talking about what they could have done better, yada, yada, yada. They're all tired and exhausted. Jay White comes in. They've got, like, legit press people there and everything. It's a whole thing. Uh, going out and basically saying that he, he's done. He wants to leave. He doesn't have anything else left to give, yada, yada, yada. There's rumors. We don't. We can't confirm or deny that his contract may be up some point in, in January. And WWE now also has rumors out there that they are heavily interested in making a huge play for him. So, Michael, two questions. Number one, thoughts on Jay White potentially leaving, right? And two, um, what does that do for WWE if they're able to sign him? And I'm going to throw a third question on there. What's your plan for him? Because I have one, and it's extremely aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, To answer all of those, I guess. So, number one... um, what would it do for New Japan? It would hurt New Japan a ton. Yes. Because he's, he's your biggest deal by far. He's by far. It's basically if you lost Roman Reigns right now, you'd be like, so what do we have now yes. for SmackDown-wise or mm-hmm. really WWE-wise as a whole? Right. Um, that's basically what you lose in Jay White. It's like, oh, we lost Jay White. What do we have heel-wise? I guess Evil is like your next big heel that you're yeah. going to rise up, and that's that's a big discrepancy there. Yeah, so good Lord. Yeah. Uh, someone's gonna need to make a turn. <laughs> yeah. So so or I guess Osprey's cl- uh, click is gonna be. I up think there Nido too. would need to make a turn. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, so to answer the question, one, yeah. it would be a big big hit to the heart if mm-hmm. Jay White leaves. 
Uh, but I think I think he would venture into WWE, and a plan that I would have for him. Um, see, that's a tough one because yeah. I don't know how he could go to NXT for a while. He could do some great stuff there. Yeah, um, he could help that brand because that brand's kind of dying too. Um, or he could go straight to the main roster, enter the Rumble at one point. Um, there's so much you can do with Jay Wyatt. Yeah. You could throw him on literally any. I think you'd throw him on Raw initially because he's that good. You just need people because uh, you need people on Raw. Yeah. yeah. Roman Roman can roll as a heel on SmackDown for a while. Yeah. You need guys on Raw. So yeah. Off the top of my head, I don't know what I would do with Jay Wyatt initially, but mm-hmm. there's a lot. You have you have a plethora of options. Right. As the way that, that would be. I you know I, I'm like I said I'm a big Jay White guy. Um, ever since he redebuted with the Switchblade gimmick mm-hmm. and then joined the Bullet Club soon thereafter, I've been really on on that. Um. <clears throat> But no, he's twenty eight years old. He's 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 a he's a WWE guy. That's the thing. Like he wrestles a good WWE style. He would not need to come in and do a bunch of training and kind of learn the WWE system. He would just be the guy. Like he come in on Raw. I am of the opinion that he should. If 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 they are able to do this and hit and the rumors are true that his contract is coming up and he's going to be a free agent, you need the WWE. You need to pay him a large sum of money to come in for. A lot of time because oh, me and Mike were talking about this off air. He's 28, so you you sign him to a, to a contract. He's not even doing his best work for you yet until five years in. He he's gonna be he could be a 10 year guy for you and be 38. I mean, you don't see these kind of guys come in and be free agents like that very often. This is a game changing type of talent that you could potentially get here and become the number one heel on the Raw brand. Literally the moment he steps on the in, off the plane, like it's that simple. For me personally, I'm super aggressive. I think that there needs to be a change, and we're gonna talk about potential Rumble winners next week. Um, which, by the way, spoiler alert: who the hell knows? Um, but for me, if if they could do it logistically and from a timing standpoint, and I know with COVID and stuff, everything kind of gets delayed and whatever. But if they can somehow do it, where Jay White comes in as a surprise entrant and just wins the damn Rumble, I'm all for it because you need somebody, and that's provided once again that Goldberg doesn't beat Drew McIntyre for the title. Which if he does, I'm gonna lose my flipping mind. But that's and that's for next week's episode. But point is. To have Jay White come in as the number one heel for New Japan, who every real diehard fan knows who Jay White is, to come in and just immediately go, we're going to book him like a top guy. And not book him like a top guy, book him like the guy. To go against the guy that we've been building for a year and Drew McIntyre, who is an uber babyface right now. Two badasses going at it. Yes, please. Sign me up all day, every day. And then somehow manage to lure the Rock out of retirement to go against Roman. And this WrestleMania could be amazing. Or even Daniel Bryan versus Roman. I'd take that, too. I was going to say, I don't know about the whole Rock team. You were really well until the Rock came up. I want want the Rock. I just think that match would just do amazing numbers. But the point is, Jay White coming into WWE, if they can make it happen, is game-changing type stuff Mm. right there. As long as they just let him do his thing and just come out and just be awesome, it, it would be... Fantastic. If for nothing else, six months. It would be it would be awesome. Um, all right. Let's talk about man, this is gonna be a long show today. Alright, we got coaches to teams. We got a lot of vacancies. We got some rumors out there. Um, and we're gonna talk about that rumor when we get to that team. So um yeah. Lots of stuff to we got a lot of stuff still to do today. Okay, all right, let's cool. let's jump right now. I'm gonna save the Lions for last, okay, because 
the, the Lions. All right, we're gonna okay. say we're gonna say the Lions for last. All right, first team that I want to go over here. All right, is the L.A. Chargers. Reason why I want to talk about the Chargers first. All right, they still have GM. Okay, they're they're just looking for a head coach. Anthony Lynn gets fired. He was an offensive guy. Herbert's the man. Clearly, we know that they're happy with him. Who in your in your estimation is is a good fit for them? They've got a pretty solid defense as well. You got a lot of names for sure mm-hmm. on the defense. Offensively, I, I I mean I don't really know what's wrong with the Chargers. That's the thing. I don't think they have. They don't think they do one thing particularly bad. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't win for I don't a myriad of reasons. I guess. Um, I think they need to go offensive. Quite frankly, I think they need a guy to really to really coax the greatness out of Herbert and really set him off on a path. So yeah. who, who is your number one target if if you had the choice? Yeah. Who is your target? I, I have I have an idea. Okay. But I need to look up his name real quick. Hold on. Um, you want to just give me the team he's for? I can probably tell you. Uh, Brian DeBull. Yeah, the, the OC yeah, from the Buffalo. offense coordinator from Buffalo. Yep. Because we saw what he could just do. Mm-hmm. I do agree you need to go offensive. I mm-hmm. think your defense has been pretty good, and you have a lot of good names out there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think defensively it's a huge issue. Right. Um, I think you need to help develop Herbert, and what better than the guy who just developed Josh, Josh Allen? Allen? Yeah, no kidding. And look what Josh Allen's doing right now. Yep. And Herbert's already better at this point than what Josh like yeah Josh Allen was not very good his first year or two yeah and his he first de- two years quite frankly and he, yeah. he developed into what he's doing now now he's playing very good and maybe even we can talk about it in the offseason a little but probably like a top seven quarterback right now probably oh yeah absolutely. Herbert right now I would say probably a top 12 quarterback and yeah. he just played one year and so I think at that time I think you can develop him and he's a very good coach obviously I think yeah. that would be a perfect more than Biennemi in your opinion more than yes I think Biennemi has a better spot which yeah. I'm saving for okay, okay, team. for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. So Chargers, you've got Brian DeBall going there. Yeah. Not a bad position. I know the Lions are not in on him at all. Yeah. I think because he's in the booth, mm-hmm. um, so they don't. You know, I think they're really looking for like a quote unquote like leader yes. guy thingamabobber. Yeah. I think I think the first coach that goes to the Chargers isn't going to be that leader guy. I think no. it'll be a guy to develop Herbert, mm-hmm. and then they'll eventually probably get rid of him, and then bring in the Pete Carroll yeah. like. Guru to like, all right, guys, let's, let's do this and for sure. start rolling. For sure. Out. All right, next team I want to talk about the dumpster fire known as the New York Jets. Lots of decisions to be made. They don't even have, they, I, think, I think they technically have a GM, but I mean, who the hell is going to go to the Jets? Like, if I'm being honest, right? I, I get it. You got the number two pick, right? But I mean, do you use it on a quarterback? Do you, do you, I mean, you have Sam Darnold still. You need so much help defensively. You need playmakers on the outside. Mm-hmm. You need to revamp your offensive line. There's a lot of problems with the New York yeah. Jets right now. Um, I don't even know. Uh, honestly, like I agree with you on the DeBall thing. I think he's probably going to wind up going to, mm-hmm. to the Chargers. I think that's the best fit for him. Um, but I don't know who's a great fit for the Jets, quite frankly. I really don't. Yeah, this... I have a name in mind, and it's a bit of a, a off the beaten path a little bit. And I'll t- I can tell you why. But if you have somebody in mind, you can go ahead first. Uh, I don't. This is the one team I don't think I have a name to fit immediately that yeah. yeah. comes to mind. Uh, who would you say? I'm, I'm going to throw a name out there, and it's not going to inspire a lot of confidence, but I think Marvin Lewis. And here's why I'm saying Marvin Lewis. It's for a very specific reason. Number one, he turned around the jet, he turned around the Bengals from being a dumpster fire to being 8-8 mm-hmm. eight and, eight and, and led them to several division championships. He didn't win the playoffs. I get that. Yeah. But there's just so much dysfunction in the Jets, right, that you need a guy to kind of come in and just be consistent. You know, like if one thing, and he's up for the Lions job right now too, and I don't want him here, but but at the same time, 
you can look at it and you go, he has a great track record of hiring good coordinators. I mean, Mike Zimmer, Jay Gruden, hell, even Hugh Jackson were all really good coordinators for him. He's able to... He's been able to take teams that have been dumpster fires, turn them around. He brings a level of consistency. He brings a level of professionalism to that team. And he, he's going to bring in, and he's a very good delegator. And he's just a, he, he's a solid coach for a team that is at the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. There's like You know what I mean? Like for me, if you're the Jets, maybe you don't go for that flashy hire. And maybe instead you just go for the guy that you know is going to come in and bring a level of consistency. I think it's the reason why the Lions hired Jim Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Is they went and they went, all right, maybe we just need a more level-headed dude. You know, He's going to be conservative, right? He's not going to go for it on fourth, and, on fourth down when it's fourth and three on the team's opposing 40-yard line. He's going to mm-hmm. punt it. So it's going to be frustrating. But at the same time... You know, I think he does bring a little bit of oomph to to that team to and bring a level of like, hey, we've got a coach who's at least done it mm-hmm. and is and has won in a very tough division in Cincinnati. And also was during a during a regime and Cincinnati has a poor scouting department. They don't put any money into that kind of stuff. He's kind of was the de facto GM, so he knows about talent acquisition. And more than anything else, um, he went through two rebuilds. Mm-hmm. He rebuilt them with Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer wants out, and then he rebuilt them again with Andy. He won eleven games or twelve games with Andy Dalton at quarterback. That in itself is impressive. Mm-hmm. So. I think he'd be a great fit for a team that just is looking for an identity. And right now, they don't have one because Adam Gase was an unmitigated disaster there. So that's who I think is a good fit, just based off the fact that who else is going to want to go there? I don't even know if they've interviewed him. I have no idea. But I I feel like if they hired a B enemy or something like that, it would be three years and he'd be fired. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think I that's mean, a very good hire. It's, they're the hardest one to pinpoint for they me. They are, Because yeah. I don't know of anybody that's a legitimate candidate that wants to go, I want to take that. It's not It's not the absolute worst job. I no, no, I don't think it's the you worst have, job, you, you but I, there's just... Good the, talent there. But there's a lot of work and there's a lot of change that needs to happen yeah. organizationally that you're just like... Okay, um, next one I want to talk about here, the Atlanta Falcons. Lots of decisions. Is Matt Ryan your guy? Is he going to be gone? Is Julio going to be there at yeah. this point? Who, who is your number one target if, if you were the Atlanta Falcons? Um, I'm looking at uh, Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator who just got there for the Rams. Okay. He's been their 2020 defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. Yep. I think they need to look at a defensive coordinator because I think – whether you keep Matt Ryan or they try to do what the Lions are looking at doing, maybe draft a quarterback and let him sit or something. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have Matt Ryan for another year or two probably. You have Julio and Calvin Ridley. Um, your mm-hmm. offense really isn't the issue, kind of like how we look at the Lions. The offense isn't really the issue. Nope. Um, it's more of the defensive side. They need more pieces and they need a better schematically so they don't let up like 35-point leads randomly. Yep. So I think you get a nice defense guy who you see what the Rams do. Now the Rams have a lot of talent. But schematically, they're just absolutely killing people. I think you could take that and move it to where Atlanta yeah. is. I think they're going to go defensive as well. Um, right now. Um, I, I think at the same time, I don't necessarily know if... Uh, I, I think Staley is probably a year away, honestly. Um, I can see Raheem Morris getting this job, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Like, no doubt about it. Um I could, you know, I could miss. I can maybe even see a Robert Sala maybe taking that undertaking on. I don't know. I don't know if that's where he's going to want to go. Yeah. But I do think they stay defensively, though. Yeah. I definitely think that. I think Raheem Morris did a nice job. I think Todd Bowles. I know the Lions are requesting to interview him. That is a wild card, by the way, which I did not see coming, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily mad about it. Um, 
but that's somebody too defensive minded. I because you know a lot of times we get in the situation. Okay, it didn't work defensively, so we're gonna hire an offensive guy. It didn't work offensively, we're gonna hire a defensive guy. At the end of the day, you need to hire the right guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know I could see them going offensive just because if they get rid of Matt Ryan and they take a new rookie on, like I'm gonna mold him, I'm gonna yeah. do my thing. But I I wouldn't be shocked to see him go there either. All right, next thing I want to talk about, and we're gonna talk about some rumors here too. Uh, Houston Texans. Okay. Um, so let, let's talk about this rumor, I guess, before yes. we talk about... Uh, all right, so now there's a rumor out there that Sean Watson's unhappy, which, okay, shocker, you signed a long-term deal in Houston. Sorry about you. Um, they're mad. He's mad that they didn't consult him on the GM pick, even though they said they would. They're mad that they didn't even interview Eric Bieniemy, who I agree is probably their best fit. Um, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, right. Uh, they didn't even interview him, so that's clearly not going to happen, I'm assuming. I don't know yet. Uh, they haven't hired anybody. Uh, they hired Nick Casario for the GM job from New England. They've been after him for literally like three years. Um, but now there's a rumor out there that Watson could waive his no-trade clause to go to Miami in exchange for Tua, Tagovailoa, and some other pieces. Now, there's, I have so many thoughts on this. Uh, I can't even tell you. Give me your thoughts on a potential trade... For Watson to Miami, which would shake up a lot of stuff in that division, Tua going to Houston, and some other stuff. I don't know what other stuff is. A couple of draft picks. Maybe. Probably, right? They have so much draft capital that they're yeah. like, oh, Miami's like, oh, Miami's like, oh, yeah, you want, no, that's fine. You want your pick back? <laughs> yeah. Cool. You can't have it. But anyway, um, give me your thoughts on that first, and then is Eric Bieniemy the guy for you? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll start with the Texan side of it because yeah. I think the Miami side is way more interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Texan side, they get a young quarterback who I think has played pretty well. He's definitely turning into a game manager and not a game changer. Yeah, changer taker over. I guess it's the word I was going to use. Averaging four yards to throw is not yeah, going to get it done. I know, but having thirteen touchdowns and two picks, you're just not turning the ball over. So that's yeah. that's that's the a side. And you're not really in the position where you're about to just go win a Super Bowl right now. So building around Tua could be a great spot for the Texans. And I'll answer your third question. I think Eric Bieniemy could help with that process a little bit. Get some nice receivers mm-hmm. in there. Get a better defense, and they could start maybe rolling a little bit. The AFC West or the AFC South. It's yeah. not the toughest division no. out there. I mean, the Titans are going to be good. Yeah. The Colts, if they get a better quarterback, are going to be good. Yeah. But you still have you can, It's going to be competitive. It's going to be competitive, but it's not going to be like that NFC West. Where that, that division could be tough. The Jags get Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Too. Yeah, a lot of good quarterbacks. It could be tough, but yeah. it, it, it won't be as tough as like the NFC West where no. you could potentially have like four teams going 12-4. and four. No, no, no. Yeah. But um, it'll, it'll be competitive, though. Yeah, now, sure. the more interesting one is what the Dolphins could have because if the Dolphins get... Deshaun Watson, look out! You're you're now you are. They go and take they take probably Penny Sewell out of tackle, and then they take the rest of their draft capital and invest in the offensive weapon lot, side yeah. and offensive like because right now they drafted that tackle out of USC. They get Sewell yes. to go the other side. They've got <clears throat> they could probably even invest more interior wise, but yeah. from a from a sexy pick standpoint, right? I think they're okay at running back, but yeah. man, if they could get a true legit number one receiver yes. with that defense, out. I think it's. Josh Allen versus Deshaun Watson twice a year, then yeah. I'm going to be sitting there going, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, Because they're just going to be balling out. I think I think those are two playoff teams that you'll see for the next yep. 10 years battling yep. the Kansas City and Lamar and all of those teams. Yep. They're all going to be fighting for it. Do you, think, and, do you think it's a possibility? Are you shocked that the Dolphins are willing to move on? Because we're hearing rumors even that they're looking at quarterbacks in this year's draft because they're not necessarily thrilled with what two is bringing to the table, which I don't necess- I'm don't. i not actually shocked by because – 
like I said, I, you're right, right? The touchdown interception ratio is really good, it right? Is but good. unfortunately, I don't think that they're doing. I don't think he's. I don't think he's contributing to the wins as much as they'd yeah. hope he would be. My, right my now. problem with Tua is they take him out before he can fight through any adversity. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you, you throw a bad incompletion? All right, we're taking you off for Fitzmagic over here. Yeah. And I go, but, like, you're not letting him, like, struggle through this stuff. Right. You're just, like, taking him out the second he does bad. Yeah. It's like, located. Okay, you're on timeout because you did something bad. Like... <laughs> No, you got to keep him in and let him fight through that. Because if you if he never has to fight through it, he knows. Okay, if I throw an interception, I I, I just go to the bench. Right. Like that's so much pressure yeah. to put on somebody. Like, could you imagine if the Lions like, all right, we're gonna start this guy, but if you throw one interception, we're, you're never seeing the field again. Yeah. Like that is immense pressure to an offense that's not very good, anyways. Right. Like if you're on Kansas City. Right. And you yeah. have all these weapons. It's like, all right, if you mess up, you're done. It's like, okay, well, you shouldn't mess up because you have yeah. 17 Hall of Famers <laughs> on this team. Yeah, right. But if you're playing with Devontae Parker as your number one, you're going to mess yeah. up a few times. You're not going to be able to move the ball down the field every time. For sure. And every time he throws an incompletion, it's like, hey, bench. Which is very, just very interesting. You know, Lions fans have been clamoring, oh, he's the next, he's the guy. And it's like, he could have yeah, been. He could have been, but. A lot of other teams maybe don't think that either. But anyway. Listen, Herbert could have been the man. That's, yeah, well. Aaron Aaron Donald could be a lion right now, but Eric Ebron was instead. Thanks a lot. Hey, we like Eric Ebron for like forever. I like Eric Ebron. I liked Eric Ebron for about six games. That was about the extent of it. Regardless, we were getting off track. Anyway, um, likelihood that trade happens. Oh, very probably pretty low. Yeah, I, 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 I don't see. I don't see Watson getting traded personally at all. Um, and quite, and, and that leads me to the coaching search. Right, is it, let's just say Deshaun Watson does get traded, right? Or that's the goal, right? Or, or basically, if Deshaun pulls like the line in the sand and goes, "I'm not playing anymore unless you trade me," okay? Like, and he does that, okay? Give me one reason to go to the Houston Texans. You have a shitty owner who. You just waste a whole bunch of money on a coaching on a GM search, and they didn't even hire any of the GM search, the people that the the firm mm-hmm. recommended. They just went back to the same person they want. So they're going down the Patriot hole a second time after already firing Bill O'Brien, and your your best player, your the, the entire franchise, yeah. is basically saying, "I don't want to be here anymore because you're terrible." Mm-hmm. Why do I want to go to Houston outside of it being, okay, it's a head coaching position in the well, NFL? Well, that's the problem is you don't because it goes from I, – I, after I ranked them, I yeah. ranked Texans about the third best yeah. position to go to, mm-hmm. maybe fourth. It automatically comes sixth, and yeah. there's a wide margin between five and six mm-hmm. because I go, without Deshaun Watson there, you don't have much there at But, all. yeah, your defense is not good. J.J. Watt's old. Yeah. You have you trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Wolf Fuller is going to be a free agent, so you don't have any weapons to, mm-hmm. offensively either. You don't even have – you don't even have some of the people you traded for mm-hmm. like with Miami. So you don't have any foundational building blocks even on this team anymore to be excited about. It's not like we're at least their defense. Okay, man, you got D'Amico Ryan's, you got Jaden Clowney, you got JJ Watt. You got these people. You don't have any of that mm-hmm. anymore. So you're going into a team that doesn't have a could potentially not have a franchise quarterback. So you got to draft a QB. Oh, by the way, you don't have a first round pick. Oh, by the way, you've got one second, no th- like you've got no draft capital either, and you've got no assets. Yeah. So you are at least two years from even fielding a relevant football team, mm-hmm. let alone a above-average football team. Yeah. That is a scary situation. Now, flip side, if Watson's there, who's your pick, and how? How? I mean, I mean, I, mean, I think Eric Bieniemy should yeah, be the pick. I absolutely think he should be the pick. I think I think they're quick, a much quicker rebuild with Deshaun Watson there. Oh and, yes, absolutely. So yeah. If you if you lose him even for Tua, it's still a really long rebuild. Yes. If, if Deshaun Watson's there, it's 
Yeah. You we can at least sell it to a fan. Did. You can sell it to a fan base. Hey, listen, we made a trade. We got a first round pick in return yeah. with Tua. So we got a quarterback. We're going to draft a little bit better, and, and we're going to kickstart yeah, this can, rebuild. Yeah. And and basically come out and say, listen, we got to rebuild it. We're going to re- we're going to tear it down. We're going to rebuild it. We've already got the quarterback. We got some a little bit of draft capital now that we can maybe turn it into something, and we're going to start rolling rather than. Um, Watson's gone. He doesn't want to play for us anymore. We don't have a quarterback, and we don't have anything else. Yeah. That's that's a scary situation. All right, Jacksonville. I think this is kind of locked in already. That's why I'm kind of sold. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Urban Meyer. I mean, that's... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> do, do, I'm, I'm, ex- Lawrence, I'm, I'm excited so to see it. Yeah. Do you think it works? No. Yeah, I don't either. No, okay. Just wanted to make sure I was... No, I, Trevor, I, no, here's, no here's what happens, though. It's Trevor Lawrence going to make it work. You think so? Yes. Yeah. That's that's the problem this you're going to run into. This is the team right now out yeah. of the six that is probably the most likely to go quickly turn this around. Oh, yes. Because they've got a lot of draft capital, they got a lot of cap, and they're going to get the best quarterback prospects. I'm going to give Lock. a lot of praise to the Lions right here. Yeah. Is Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer are going to do like kind of the big flip that the Lions did when they were 0-16 uh-huh. when they drafted Stafford. Where I think that you're going to be like shaded by like Urban Meyer might not be the best coach, but Trevor Lawrence is going to be so good that you're like, oh, they just went from one in fifteen to uh-huh. six and ten, uh-huh. and you're like, wow, Urban's doing really well. Or is it just because Trevor Lawrence is like? the best thing since Andrew Luck or John And, and here's the thing about Jacksonville, too, that people aren't talking about. They got some weapons in they Jacksonville, have all, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they got, they got pieces they have, there. They have the potential to go from 1-15 in 15 to 7-9 and nine next year, mm-hmm. and people go, man, this coaching is just... Mm-hmm. And it's like, or is it Trevor Lawrence is just... Yeah, you just got somebody finally time. pulling the trigger that yeah. can actually do something. Yeah, no, I think Jacksonville's so, a very good chance. I think... I, I'm not going to say he, it's going to be a failure, mm-hmm. air quotes... But I do think that, like, it's not going to work as well because I don't know if Urban Meyer is going to work. Mm-hmm. But Trevor Lawrence is going to cover up a lot of those things that Urban Meyer might miss. Yeah. I think Trevor have... Lawrence is going to help immensely, oh, for yes. sure. And then just, they... think, just think Andrew Luck going into the, uh, to the that Colts, Colts year. Yeah. Literally, they went from 2-14 and 14 to 8-8, eight and eight, literally mm-hmm. one swing of a year. Uh-huh. And the coach wasn't even that great. Uh-huh. Uh, it was just, they uh-huh. were just rolling. Yeah, it was uh, numb nuts from... Uh, Baltimore at the yep. time. Uh, anyway, all right. Last but not actually, hold on. Before we talk Lions here, I do want to ask. I know I'm gonna just get tease it up for you just a little bit. All right, real quick. Rumors out there that Doug Peterson may or may not be staying in Philadelphia. Yeah. Okay. A, do you think he stays yes. for at least one more year? And B, if he doesn't though, who's a guy for him? Because I think Eric Bieniemy would be a good fit there if they're gonna stay with Jalen Hurts. I, I I would agree with that. Uh, I think he stays though. Mm-hmm. I do too. Um, I think he's got one think, more year. Uh, do you think people are overreacting to the Week 17 benching people? Yes and no. It's a, it's a two-sided coin for me. Yes, because at the end of the day, they weren't winning that game anyway, yes. number one. And number two, they didn't really have anything to play for. Number And also, but the other side of that is that he if all he would have had to do is just say, I want to get Sudfeld snaps this week. Yeah. All he had to do was say that. That's all he had And said, hey, listen, I, he's going if you would have just came out and said, listen, unless we're uh, like uh, you know barring anything crazy because we don't have because we're out of the playoffs already there is no incentive for us to do any we want to get young guy snaps and we're going to get Sudfeld yeah. we we know we think we know what we have but even if you said we're going to start Jalen Hurts first half Sudfeld's going second half it's the way he did it and pulling him out when he pulled Jalen out yeah. is the reason why he's getting as much backlash and that hurts as a, as that's an organizational failure i personally think at one point he got a call or somebody went you're not winning this game because we're going to drop four draft spots if you win this game. I, that's Click. That's what I was worried about for the Lions this past yeah. week against the Vikings. So uh-huh. they go, you know if you win, you're 
pick like, 14th. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, you're dropping seven spots yeah. if you win this right. game. Instead, they played really well offensively, terribly defensively like we thought they would. Yeah. But point is, is that, no, I, I it, the problem is, is the optics around it where you can't do, you can't actively go out and throw a game. Instead, what you needed to do was you needed to mask it and say, we're going to try, He's got. he's been here all year, we want to see what we have in him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would have been the way. He should have just started coming out of half. Yeah, should. That should have been the way they did it. But they didn't do that, and because of that, it looks like they intentionally threw the game, which is a bad optic for the league and the team as a whole. That's why. Yeah. So I get why people are pissed off. It doesn't help to J.J. Watt the week before was like, we get paid to play, blah, blah, blah. Like that didn't The timing of it yeah. really hurts as well. But anyway, you think he stays, but you think yes. B- enemy is probably the best position he, he, for he'd him? He'd be the best. Yeah, yeah. like if, they, if, if he leaves... You have Jalen Hurt, young Jalen Hurts, and you can just roll because you have a lot of. You think Wentz to the Colts is pretty much done? Uh, yes, <laughs> I think he's going gotta there. be so great. Yeah, I think I think they would really be benefit a lot from having a guy who can throw the ball more than twelve yards. Uh, all right, last but not least, your Detroit Lions. There's been a lot of rumors out there. They're in, they want to interview Todd Bowles. They've interviewed Robert Sala. They've interviewed um, uh, Marvin Lewis. They've interviewed who else? Did they interviewed too. They interviewed somebody else. I thought too. Um, who else did they interview? I'm trying to think now. I'm trying to remember who else they who else they talked to. They talked to somebody else too. I mean, right? they talked to Eric Bieniemy, but oh yeah, Eric Bieniemy. Sorry, thank you, thank you, uh, Eric Bieniemy for sure. So all the all some of the hot names out there, right? I'm not getting into the GM thing because I I that's a pick them. I have no idea. I am I have a hunch, but no one's gonna know who I'm talking about anyway. Um, who's your guy? Robert Sala. He's the guy. There we go. That's the guy. Okay. If it's not him, I'll be depressed. I, I'm I might it, not come on the week that it's announced that it's not him. I'm going to put it out there right now. I think there is a high chance that we this is a Ken Wisenhunt, Jim Caldwell situation again, where everybody knows when they hired Jim Caldwell, they wanted Ken Wisenhunt. It was obvious. They mm-hmm. wanted him, and he went, no, I'm going to Tennessee, and I'm going to fail there. Um, and then they hired Jim Caldwell. I, I, there is a high, there's a Caldwell meter going off in my mind right now where, and maybe this Todd Bowles thing maybe shakes that up a little bit where they have, he's maybe their backup's choice, but there's a reason why they hired, or they interviewed Marvin Lewis. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think it's, it's the most Caldwell-esque move ever, but I definitely think that if Salah's not their guy or they don't like him or he turns them down and they don't get him. I would not be surprised. I'm not saying happy, but I would not be surprised to see Marvin Lewis come here because of everything I just mentioned earlier in the show that would fit for the Jets, it kind of fits for the Lions as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you need a new identity. You're trying to develop this culture. I wouldn't be stunned if he was the hire. wouldn't be happy about it, but I wouldn't be shocked by it either, okay? So, because I don't think Eric Bieniemy is the guy. I do not think, and I don't think he fits anything of what they're trying to do. Nope. Culture-wise, schematically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Sala, to me, is my favorite for the job. It's not really even close, quite frankly. Not at all. Um, it's like 99 to 1% for me. But I'm just telling you now, and I'm telling Lions fans now, whoever's listening to this, don't be shocked if Sala turns you down. He could. And Marvin Lewis is your new head and coach. I'll forever hate him. Yeah. I'm just telling you now. Because he's got the track record, like I said, and they want... They need. They want to change stuff. They want to change the culture. They need to get this bad taste out of their mouth, and he's shown the propensity to do it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'd be happy about it. I'm just telling you because I'm telling people because it's time. How it's helping me cope. It could be a real possibility. Yeah, it'd be really hard to watch if I had to watch Marvin Lewis on the sideline, not Robert Sala. Yeah. The only saving grace is that he could potentially bring in some really good coordinators. 
because Marvin Lewis has a good track record. Though. Mike Zimmer, good coach. You know, Jay Gruden, offensive wise, was a pretty good coach. So I agree. I'm not. I'm not happy not, about it. I'm just. That didn't help me at all. I'm just telling you <laughs> that don't be shocked if that winds up being somebody like that. Yeah. I'm just saying. Rob, I'm just telling. And you everybody that. who wants Caldwell, who wanted Caldwell back, can't then go back and say, "Well, I can't believe they hired Marvin Lewis because it's the same guy." See, yeah. <laughs> no, Rob, in like yeah. five weeks. Yeah. Um, I expect if, them to have hires done in the next two weeks. Okay, I, so two weeks? Okay. I, yeah, no, because I, just for the, the speculators out there, there are rumors out there as well that or Dave Burkett reported that there was an internal memo sent within the building in the Lions organization that they wanted to have both GM and head coach hired by the middle of January. So in two weeks, I might have to cancel this appointment <laughs> if something, something might come up. Um, and I might, you might not hear me on here in a couple weeks. I'm going to come out bit. here and just be like, Lions hired Marvin Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you won't be hearing my voice. Also, just You might the- be hearing Kyle's, because Kyle will just be laughing. Yeah, he'll, he won't even know. He's like, who's Marvin Lewis? Uh, but also, just real quick, I want to mention this. Um, the Lions are still very much in on Kevin Colbert, the GM from Pittsburgh. I read a report from Jason Lock and Fora today Whatever. that they have not yet given up on that search just yet. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. I know that it's still not a likely chance, but they are trying to finagle whatever possible angle they can out to maybe get him. I don't know. There's also still the John Schneider rumors, and now that he is gone, now that they're out of the playoffs, I don't know where that's at. I know I'm just going to throw this out there too. I know I say I wouldn't talk about it, but I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole anyway. George Patton. Uh, or Peyton, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's the assistant general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. He flew in to do an interview with the Lions. Um, he's got connections with Spielman, obviously, because his brother Rick Spielman's the GM there. Um, don't be shocked if he's the pick as well at the general manager spot. Um, that's another name that's been heavily linked to the Lions as well. So those are probably some, some names to keep a lookout for. Um, Ed Dodds, I know a lot of people want the assistant GM from Indianapolis. They haven't even interviewed him, so you can stop that pipe dream. Um, maybe that comes in, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the pick. So just George Patton's a name to look out for. I, I I wouldn't be shocked to see him get the nod. He's the assistant GM from the Vikings. Got the Spielman connection. Very well respected throughout the league. Um, so take that for whatever you want, but there's that. You got anything else for me, Mike, before we end the show no, today? It's just, just, today was a long we one. Gotta, we got to sit down with everyone. We got to pray that Robert Salah in two weeks is our Lions head coach. Could be as early as today. You never know. They're out of the playoffs. I said, I said, oh, I they're gonna wait. They're gonna wait to hire. They're gonna wait to interview Todd Bowles before yeah. they hire anybody. So, uh, so, I, I do think though that when the first domino falls, it's just gonna go. Yeah. Like I don't think it's gonna be like okay, hire Lions, hire blank, and then everyone just kind of goes okay. Yeah. Like I think it's gonna go. Oh shit! All right, we gotta go. Yeah. Get get our guy. So gonna be interesting. Let's see how we do numbers wise. Um, I definitely don't think the Jets are hiring Marvin Lewis. By the way, I just think that would be a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be really shocked to see Eric Bieniemy not get another like mm-hmm. just to get not get a job at all. Because I think at that point, two years running where he doesn't get a spot, that's one name where you go maybe he really just does not interview well, mm-hmm. and everyone's just like you're not the right guy for this. Maybe. Interesting for not, nonetheless. All right, that's gonna be it for this week's show. It was a long one today, guys. We appreciate you sitting through it. Uh, next week we're going to be talking some Royal Rumble predictions. We're going to be reviewing the card, all that good stuff. Um, 
or at least we'll be doing predictions. We may we may not do the actual current because we still got a week before that. But we're going to be talking, um, you know, some probably some NFL stuff as well. We may be talking about a new Lions head coach, a new general manager, any of the hirings that go along with that. So lots of good stuff coming your way. As always, on behalf of the Missing Whale Man, he's the Merck Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.